0: When some were speaking about the temple,
1: how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, he said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left on another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be, and what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he. And the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified. For these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places, famines and plagues. And there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you, they will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and all will will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word.
0: In our text this morning, Jesus is teaching in the temple, probably in the portico, where there's columns and it's a common area where people can gather, and there were, he was probably not the only person preaching that morning. There were probably a lot of folks, but the disciples have been sitting there for a while, and they get distracted by how beautiful the temple is. I can relate to Jesus' uh, struggle here uh, I often find people looking around <laughs> a little distracted by how beautiful this space is. Uh, in fact, when the kids from the McGillis School came, uh, after I had done a little speech and and uh, I asked for questions, most of their questions had to do with the stained glass windows and what all the symbols meant. meant. And... Uh, It reminded me that I need to learn what all these symbols mean. (laughs) Which I think I got them, I got, I pretty much got them all down now, but uh, for a while there I was like, I don't know, what does that mean? (laughs) But uh, the beauty, and who can blame them, the beauty of Herod's temple was renowned. Uh, For those of us who enjoy the Christmas narrative, we think of Herod as a as an evil despot who kills children but history remembers Herod as a great builder who built incredible architectural uh, wonders in the Near East in Jerusalem and the pinnacle of Herod's accomplishments was the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, Herod began construction on the temple Twenty years before Jesus was born, and he actually did they didn't they didn 't remake the temple the uh, the Jewish uh, hierarchy did not want to stop temple worship from going on during the construction because it was going to take you know many many years, many decades and uh, so what Herod did is he put a facade around the rather humble temple that was there that uh, we can read about its construction in Ezra and Nehemiah after the exile, when, when the uh, Hebrew people came back, when Israelites came back from Babylon, uh, they constructed a, a meager temple. But it, you know, it got the job done, but it was not as uh, glamorous as some would hope. And so Herod kind of constructed around the old, the, the old temple. Uh, so that light, you know, temple life could continue, temple worship could continue. And he, from there, from this giant facade that he put around the temple, he just kind of spread out from there and he created these wonderful porches and a colonnade and a portico and all kinds of terraces and beautiful architecture all around. And in fact, it wasn't completed until 62 uh it, it, and it was destroyed in seventy which we 'll get into in a minute but uh, it, it had it, all during jesus life the temple was under construction, kind of like i fifteen mm-hmm. uh, you know they never seemed to get it done and so you can imagine not only not only was it they admiring the beauty, but there were probably scaffolds around, and they were probably seeing, you know, if they hadn't been there for a year, they were observing the progress that had been made, and they were looking at it and going, wow, how'd they get that giant stone up on top of that column there, and and, uh, kind of wondering about that. So you can't hardly blame them for being a little bit distracted, but Jesus, almost frustrated, says, well, you know what? I know it's impressive, but there's going to come a day soon when it's just all gone. And no stone will be left unturned. Well, of course, that freaks out the disciples. And they're like, well, you know, when, when's that happening? And what, what are the signs? Jesus starts to talk about uh, some of the signs that will happen before the destruction of the temple. Now I want to, I, I want to, I need to say something that's going to be a little bit confusing but Luke wrote this narrative long after the temple had already been destroyed. So he's reflecting back on something that likely he never saw, he never saw the temple. So he was writing in about 90, 85, 90 and the temple was destroyed in 70 AD And uh, and so looking back. In Luke, he is he is putting into the words of Je- into the mouth of Jesus a prediction of this temple's destruction. Not only that, but all of the things that are going to culminate in the the siege of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. Uh, things things like wars and rumors of wars. Well, in Rome in that time there were all kinds of wars going on and insurrections and uh, in uh, in 49 or, or I forget what year, maybe it was 47, one of those years there had gone a whole year where there were four different emperors on the throne. There was all kinds of turmoil, all kinds of upheaval happening. And in fact, it was this instability in Rome that prompted the Jewish rebels to mount up a rebellion and try to take back the city, which is what prompted the siege in, 60, in 64 and, and uh, ultimately the destruction of the temple in 70 uh, when they broke through the walls. The only thing that remains of that temple is the western wall, which is in Jerusalem to this day, And many faithful go and pray prayers of mourning at what they call the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem and if you go there you can see little pieces of paper tucked into the crevices of the wall and that's all that remains of this magnificent temple that stood for eight years before it was destroyed completely in in final completion Um, and Jesus points to these things that are happening, uh, that will happen. And Luke is pointing to things that are happening. Uh, Famines. There was a famine in 47 under the reign of Claudius. There was an earthquake happened in 50 in Philippi that practically destroyed that city. Famines, earthquakes, wars, and rumors of wars. And, Jesus says in this narrative, people will start to hate you because of me. And indeed for Luke's community, this was, this was a prediction that they were experiencing right then. It, Luke was writing at a time when their community, whether real or imagined, was, other, was felt under persecution uh, by Rome and, and were being put out of the synagogues. Uh, parents were saying, you know, you need to stop talking about Jesus when we're at synagogue. It's really chapping people off. And kids were going, well, I can't stop talking about Jesus. And so they said, well, you know what, you need to go worship somewhere else. And uh, it was causing rifts in families. And there was a lot of violence happening in Rome, and people were trying to make sense of what does it mean that the temple is destroyed, and people were trying to figure out what does this mean for my faith. and And some were saying, "You know what? I'm not. I didn't sign up for this." And they were walking away from the fledgling Christian community, the people of the way, and the love feasts that were happening on Sundays after um, the Sabbath celebrations on Saturday and they were walking away and Luke writes his narrative in the midst of that in part to say hang in there remain faithful and in fact in the text today Jesus said but those who abide those who remain faithful those who endure will save their souls Those who endure will come out of these turmoils unscathed. Those who endure will know the promises that were given through Jesus Christ. Those who endure will live through the day. And in other words, and and Jesus goes on to, or earlier says, and and don't worry about what you're going to, don't sit and worry about what's going to happen whether you get arrested or not arrested what you're gonna say and what are the right words don't worry about that but live out your faith and endure today and tomorrow and the next day you'll get through this together don't take up arms that was another option don't, don't rebel don't give in and walk away but patient Endurance. Um, it's like uh, there's a story about Martin Luther. I don't know if it's true, but there's a story about Martin Luther was asked if tomorrow, if today was the last day, and tomorrow the end of the world was coming, what would you do? And Martin Luther said, "I'd plant an apple tree." I think his point there was to say that I, there is always, there is always a bent, there is always a posture of hope the Christian life there is always a posture of hope that says what we are experiencing today is not the end of the story and there is hope for a new and a different tomorrow now, over the last few weeks in between guest preachers we've been talking a little bit about the discord that's gone on and are going on in our country right now and and our obligations in the midst of those that discord. And I've been talking a lot about how we need to cross the aisles and, and cross the streets and join hands and sing kumbaya with our with our neighbors that we disagree with. And I think all of that is, you know all of that is very true. But also at the end of the day, uh, our call is to be is to endure in hope with a quiet assurance that what we are experiencing today is not the whole story is not where the story ends and in in luke's time it didn't matter who caesar was jesus was in charge and in our day today i can say it doesn't matter who's in office jesus has painted a picture of the world God intends. And our role is to live in the hope of that world and to live out that kingdom of God that Jesus expressed to us and displayed for us and lived and died and rose again to bring to us. No matter what is going on out there, no matter how divided the world gets, No matter how ugly things turn, our role is to be the endurers and the beacons of hope. And when it seems like hope is lost, let us pray. Our loving and gracious God, you have called us into a life that transcends the realities of the world we live in in the hope of a better world tomorrow. May we have the patience and the faith and the uh, quiet contentment to patiently live into the Kingdom of God today and tomorrow in the hopes that it will bring transformation to the whole world. It's difficult, Lord, Uh, It's difficult not to want to take up arms and lead a rebellion. It's difficult to not want to just give up and if you can't beat them, join them kind of attitude. It's difficult, Lord, to not just want to take care of myself and mine and not worry about the rest of the world that seems to be going to heck. Lord, we just invite you to be our strength and our guide and our light as we seek to endure in faithfulness and in hope. Jesus Christ, we pray.